Welcome to Rum and Coke with Mayuk. I am your host Mayuk and I am joined by my co-host Lisa and Hildi. Hello. Hello Lisa. It looks like Hildi is super tired today. Yes, Hildi is super tired with all the dog park fun she had yesterday. Yeah, do you want to tell our listeners more about what we did at the dog park and what Hildi did at the dog park? We were just recording what Hildi was doing um, and Hildi was going and distracting every other puppy or dog she could find uh, in the dog park. Yeah, so this particular uh, dog park that we went to is called the Point Isabel Regional Shoreline. Yeah. It is basically at the edge of Pacific Ocean. So it's basically bordered Pacific Ocean. Yes, and she loves to go into the water, into the Pacific Ocean. There's a wide open area where dogs can play off leash. Yeah. And if they choose to, they can go and take a dip into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Uh, Hildi usually takes a dip. And even in winter, she took dips right into the Pacific Ocean. When she loves the water. Yeah, she loves the water. Yeah. And she was also, you know, uh, distracting this puppy who was playing fetch with his uh, dad. And... So she kept on distracting this dog. Uh, she tried to, you know, distract him and was like, come play with me. Let's uh, let's play and not do this boring thing of getting the ball from the water. And I was like, Hilly, come on. She's getting her exercise. Why don't you just go and like hang out by yourself and not distract that puppy? Did you uh, happen to take a video or pictures of this thing? Yeah, I did uh, some cool videos on how Hildi and what Hildi does in the dog park. So I believe uh, yeah. uh, you are going to share this particular uh, incident on your YouTube channel called Bong in States. Yes. So I have recently decided to, um, you know, start this channel called Bong in States. Bong as in Bengali because I'm a Bengali. I'm from West Bengal, India. So Bong and in States because I'm in United States right now. So my channel's name is Bong in States. So if you guys are free and after you listen to this podcast, do head go back to your, uh, you know, YouTube app and, uh, and, you know, have a watch on my videos. Like I have like five videos, I think all total. And it's mostly on travel stories. And this one, you know, the one we, uh, we shot yesterday was on dog park so maybe this week you know i'm going to release the next video on hildy's uh how hildy spends a day in the dog park so what you're saying is if my listeners get bored listening to me no 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 your listener has to listen your podcast has to listen to your podcast and then watch my video so basically our viewers and listeners, because yeah. now they'll be viewing your podcast. No, you're listening to my <laughs> podcast and viewing your YouTube channel. Yeah, I and you know, I think we have a very interesting family now. So you're a podcaster, I'm a YouTuber, and Hildi is an Instagram model. And she's already reached 700 followers on Instagram. That's, That's so nice. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking about travel, thank you so much for introducing me to your friend Abhijit Datta, who is a traveler. And for this particular episode, I had a phone conversation with him. Yes. So, uh, how do you how do you know Abhijit? So we went together to the same college. Uh, we studied our bachelor's from Jadavpur University, and yeah, that's how I know him. It has been a very long time now. 
Yeah, so from my conversation with him uh, yesterday, I found a lot about uh, what he has been doing. Yeah. And I'll let my view listeners know. Yeah, he, uh, he has a very interesting profile, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so he is a traveler and explorer, both by passion and profession. After graduating from college, Abhijit started working as a naturalist in the Sundarban Delta, which he has continued to explore even today. Over the last nine years, Abhijit has traveled across the Indian subcontinent, including the jungles of Satpura and Pinch, mm-hmm. where he has tracked tigers, leopards and wild dogs. More recently, like in the last three years, Abhijit has started exploring the Northeast, including the states of Nagaland, Arunachal Pradesh and Sikkim. Moreover, he has visited several low-profile national parks in Assam, including Nameri, Orang and Manas. He is also a photographer and his specific interest is wildlife photography. Through his tours, explorations and writings, Abhijit wishes to bring to light the extensive biodiversity of region and ethnic communities living in the forest along with the wild animals. Apart from this, Abhijit seeks any opportunity that may arise where he can take his stories through images and videos captured while at work from the wilderness and on to schools and colleges and in this way hopes to encourage the younger generation to get involved in wildlife travel and conservation. It was indeed a really interesting talking to him mm-hmm. and I'm going to share Abhijit's email address and Instagram handle in in the show notes for our listeners. Yes. So stay tuned. Uh, so Abhijit, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Rum and Coke with Mayuk. And uh, the word that comes to my mind when I think about your uh, career so far is an adventurist. So let's try to go back and uh, from the early days, uh, let's say we can call it the beginning. So could you tell us if there is anything in your early childhood that really inspired you to take this career path? Hi, firstly, uh, thank you so much, uh, Mayuk, for inviting me to your show, Raman Coke. And it's a good morning from India because it's a Monday morning here right now. So um, uh, coming to your question, uh, something that inspired me. Uh, firstly, I'm not an adventurist as such. I'm not a mountain climber or a hardcore biker or anything. Okay. I'm more yeah, yeah. A, a nature enthusiast who's doing a job with wildlife. But Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, uh, you know, I, I got inspired or motivated or got really passionate about nature or wildlife because it was it was a process, but it all started with my growing up years in the mountains of Darjeeling in Kalimpong, to be precise, where I attended my school. I grew up there for thirteen years, more than thirteen years. Okay, uh, in the lap of nature, surrounded by mountains. You're seeing the Kanchenjunga peaks right from your classroom. I think it, it, it that kind of was the first instigator for all this. And then it just grew on me. It was an eventual process. The woods, the walking in the mountains, the birds chirping, the little animals that you would see around. And, you know, so it was an initial, uh, you know, instigator to start with, but then it went initial and then eventual process. The, the whole thing grew on me, you know. The whole nature, the environment, the mountains, it just grew on me. So I think that was that is what started all this. Amazing. That's that's really great to know. And uh, 
one thing that i that what that i wanted to know was um did you have any sort of inspiration um about traveling beat like was your family into traveling um your cousins uh, extended family friends uh, anyone in school maybe one of your teachers uh, did you find inspiration for uh, what you're doing right now in your early childhood uh well uh not really in terms of travel or wildlife to be honest because none of my family members or my friends or my teachers come from a background which is to do with travel or wildlife or nature so no one in particular within the family or the teaching or the uh, close friends circuit you can say but what really inspired me was you know as i said firstly of course uh, the environment i grew up in and secondly you know uh, a person who did inspire me through his writings who i've never met actually is the anglo indian writer ruskin bond who wrote about the mountains about the nature about everything he grew up in in dehradun and masuri which i could absolutely correlate to while i was growing up in darjeeling kalimpong because he wrote about the woods the trees the leopard deep in the forest and i could as a kid growing up in kalimpong could completely uh, relate to his thinking his thoughts and his feelings of growing up in the mountains uh, so so he was one of the inspiration and the other thing was of course as a kid the first time cable tv i uh, you know i viewed cable tv uh, in the mid 90s or late 90s the first channels one of the first channels was discovery channel followed by national geographic later on so that kind of brought the whole world africa and the antarctic and even jungles across india right into my room and i was so inspired and motivated like thinking wow like there is just so much to see Absolutely. in this world there's just you know just, so that of course was the other thing that inspired yeah and then um and thinking about um and this must have been the 90s because we are more or less the same age um at that time national geographic and discovery were such prime source of inspiration right it did not not only educational content but uh, just inspiration in general to uh, go ahead exactly yeah yeah and Rus- and speaking yeah. of ruskin bond uh, i uh, i had a i really wanted to meet him uh, like go because i know people who have been to masuri and Mexico, yes. right uh, did you did, yes. did you happen to get a chance to meet him i actually did make a couple of visits to masuri one particularly hoping to meet him but then uh, at the time i think he was traveling if i remember correctly someone told me he was traveling to uh, somewhere in the east orissa if i'm not wrong ah, he was out okay. of town he was, and uh, he was he was not in in his hometown so i i missed him but hopefully someday very soon recently like in an in the near future hopefully i'll be able to make yeah, yeah. make a trip to masuri L- and meet him so. in I mean, let's hope so that's yes. that's actually in one of my, in in my bucket list as well i mean uh, if i can yeah. use that word bucket list let's see yeah yes, yes. Yeah. so uh, so you grew up in the lap of nature um you did attend college in kolkata and uh, yeah. um post college um you continued with your passion right so you kind of so were you were you ever in a corporate job uh, before traveling full time 
No, no. So, um, never, never. Like, so after I, I, I finished my school, then I came down, did, did a history degree in Calcutta. And then uh, I moved on to do a, a tourism degree, like a, a postgraduate tourism management degree. Okay. From, uh, yeah. For, uh, so when I did, when I pursued the tourism degree, uh, which was in Gwalior, uh, I, I kind of went with that mindset that probably it's going to, give me a travel job or probably help me in getting a travel job because that was at the back of my mind when I passed out my history degree okay. uh, because I did not really want to go into the academic uh, section because I think the most people, most students after history, they kind of do their masters and research and PhD. It just carries on with the academic stuff, which I did not want to do. Uh, and, and so I went for the tourism degree and I thought that would help me land up with a travel job. And which, uh, which it wasn't really the case because when I was ending the tourism degree after a year and a half or so, you know, the placements in college that were shaping up were more like you'd sit in, you, you would be sitting in an office and selling a package uh, to do with Greece or Bangkok, whereas you could have never uh, probably been to a Greece or a Bangkok or a Japan or wherever. And, but you'd be still sitting in an office trying to, kind of stitch an itinerary for them yeah, yeah. for whoever it is. And and I thought that's like a bluff. Like why would I like, you know, do a trip for someone sitting in an office when I've not been there myself? Yes. And I thought no, that's not for me. So exactly and I so th- that's yeah. that's that that's yeah. one aspect where uh you have an agent selling you tickets or a trip to a place that that person himself does not know much about. And exactly and, and on the other exactly. hand, um uh, it's already been like five, six, maybe eight years since uh, the travel agent business sort of went kaput in India uh, with the advent of uh, Expedia, Travelocity, uh, you know, basically any online machines. Yeah, well, I can't really, so I can't really comment uh, a lot on that. All I know is, yes, make my trip and Expedia and all that, they did kind of, uh, you know, take away and make it. Work, right? Take away a lot of yeah. They did make the uh, it a more difficult job for the regular travel agents and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I never went down that line because mm-hmm. I kind of sought my own niche and went into the wildlife travel part of it and kind of really spent more time in the jungle, learning stuff and working with different jungle lodges where I learned a lot. So That's, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah, I did not really go down that line, but I know that yeah, the, the online booking system kind of did take a toll on some of the travel agents or take some of their business away. But but I can't really comment more beyond that point of, you know, so I know about what I do. So I don't know. I don't yeah, know absolutely. how it works. For the rest yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm happy you accepted that because, uh, you know, it's when you are in when you are dealing with uh, an industry where you have to provide some kind of service to others, it's really necessary to be honest and true to your heart so uh coming back to your experiences post your education um could you uh, which were the kind of places that you uh, visited no so uh like i just like even as a student so the, the travel thing was there in me right as a student even okay. from school to college postgrads even before i started any job or anything i stood like you know whatever little cash i had i, I for me it was not about 
uh, you know, buying expensive clothes or anything. I would just save my money and take a bus or take a night train, go somewhere, explore a new place. So I really actually, being a student, covered uh, a lot of India. I traveled across the country just in buses and trains overnight, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, I had a small digi cam with me as to go on. Uh, so, so that kind of was pretty, uh, like, uh, pretty interesting, crazy. And it was backpacking. It was fun. It was great. And mm-hmm. so, a couple of friends joined in, but most of the time I was just traveling solo. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and then the wildlife bug, the wildlife thing just kept coming back to me. Like I wanted to do something with wildlife and nature. Mm-hmm. So, then I kind of started looking at travel more to do with national parks and wildlife sanctuaries and forests and reserve forests, that kind of. So I kind of niched myself out more into, you know, more about nature and wildlife, nature and wildlife, or a bit of the mountains as well. Um, any of any, any, any trip that you particularly think of at this point in time of your life, which uh, really made an impression on you? Um, not any particular trip. Uh, there's like, I mean, I think all the trips kind of gather up your experience. It would yep. be very yep. unfair to say a particular kind of trip. But then, you know, you were talking about my uh, after my education, and mm-hmm. so so yeah. So the the uh, the I think I learned a lot from being in the jungle. So I was already 13 years in the mountains. But after I finished my education, then I went on to uh, spent seven years in the jungles again, or a little more than seven years. Where oh, okay. I, and, yeah, and, and which, yeah, so which I, jungle are yeah. we talking about here? No, so I went across many, I mean, I visited many jungles, but I worked in different jungles. I started with the Sundarban Delta, which is the largest mangrove forest in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's also the largest, one of the largest river deltas in the world. And so I started with that and I went on to... Satpura uh, in in uh, in central India in Madhya Pradesh. Okay. I spent another year there, and that was a great jungle. I went on to go to the mountains in Uttarakhand for a year, Lane okay. Kumau. After and, and, that, and, and which year was this? These were all back in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, okay. and then 2013 onwards till till 2017. I spent a good four years uh, in in Pench National Park and Tiger Reserve in Madhya Pradesh again. So oh, I spent okay. like yeah a lot of time tracking so, uh, um, big predators yeah in okay. Pench. Okay, and uh, so could you describe to me like? Uh, what were your uh, activities like uh, in these places? For example, um, were you just traveling and exploring or were you also involved in some kind of work? No, no, this, is, this was all my job after that. So this was all work. I was on work. Uh, and and uh, since I passed out my tourism degree, I was working uh, all along these places like I was actually guiding guests I was based for one year or two years wherever I would be I would be guiding guests while at that place with oh. a certain jungle okay. or a certain okay. camp wilderness camp so I would be taking their guests out day in day out for eight or nine months in a year and so that way it was learning for me at the same time you know I was on the job so I was getting to meet people because people from around the world were coming and you know, I was taking them out back for back-to-back safaris. I and, see, I see. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, then, yeah, especially in Pench, where it was a wilderness camp, which was, it was a 
high-end wilderness camp in Pench and we were tracking big game predators like tigers, leopards, wild dogs for photographers, journalists, or just wildlife enthusiasts who were coming from England or the US or Germany, wherever they were coming from and trying to show them tigers or leopards or wild dogs, like just trying to show them the Indian jungle, Kipling's jungle book, you know? So it yeah, was yeah. Yeah, it was that kind of, so I was working all the time. Okay, okay. And I believe uh, this was the time when you also continued with photography. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, like when you're going out in the jungle every day, you have to have a good camera with a decent lens because you're going to see, you're going to see stuff which is very rare for, you're not going to see stuff every day, but you are going to see wildlife or nature at some of its most extreme. You are going to go there every day. So probably two or three out of every week, out of every seven days, you are going to see something special. <laughs> so when you gather that up over a period of seven, eight, nine, ten years, yeah. you're going to have a whole stock of images which you know, not everybody would have seen. So if you, you know, so it's just like you, I just had to have a good camera and a decent lens because I just needed to capture those moments. You know, that's a part of my job. Like, you know, a, a leopard on a tree or a tigress on a kill. You know, it's, it's just, you know, you can't miss those shots. You can't miss those moments. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it's, you, you have to just, every time, even now when I'm working, I'm going out on trips, I'm carrying a camera and a lens, a good lens. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, could you, could you go ahead and describe to us uh, your next steps? Uh, you, you were in Sundarban, Satpura and Pinch. Um, in the early part of 2010, uh, could you describe to, to us our uh, your next steps? Yeah, so right from 2010 to 2010 to 2017, I was in the jungle, right? So, mm -hmm. so different these different parks, um, and then since 2017 till now, what I've done is I've based myself back home in Calcutta and then doing trips from here, and the the idea of coming back, leaving the jungle, which I loved, but leaving the jungle and being based out of home in Calcutta, the, 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 next, the idea and the next step was to concentrate on India's Northeast. Ah. So the last two years what I'm doing yeah. Yeah, is, is, is I've been going back and forth, exploring, doing extensive recce, and then uh, leading the trips, leading guests whenever they've been interested to come to the Northeast, leading them, they're leading trips, uh, by guiding them and escorting them into these areas where there's some incredible biodiversity, firstly, Absolutely. and some yeah. great, great tribes, the hill tribes or the tribes living in the jungles, which people wouldn't really have heard about or read about too much. So that's what I've been doing since the last two years. And, and because India's Northeast is still largely very, very untapped and very unheard of very less traveled, like places in Assam or Arunachal, Nagaland, and then Sikkim. And then there's just so much. I've, I still haven't covered Mizoram or Tripura or parts of Meghalaya. So, or, you know, so there is just so much here that, you know, two years that down that I've been exploring these places and stitching up new trips to invite guests to come with me uh, to these trips, which I have got. I have got a few travelers coming with me, mm -hmm. uh, but I still need more people. But two years since I've been doing this, exploring this part of this subcontinent, mm -hmm. I still feel, you know, I need to spend more and more and more time yeah. to the Northeast. I mean, uh, the Northeast of India is, like you mentioned, 
um, still unexplored by, I mean, forget about foreigners, but just Indians themselves, right? Uh, exactly. Hardly, exactly. Hardly exactly. any Indians you will come across as, you know, they know a lot about the seven sister states, but there is so much to see and so much to do. So um, it, exactly. it looks like uh, you have spent a significant amount of time uh, training and educating yourself about that region before you take others over there. Am I right in assuming so? So, yeah, my, uh, exactly. That's the reason why, you know, I told you earlier that uh, if you if we go back to our conversation uh, earlier, uh, I had mentioned to you that I did not want to, I did not do a corporate job and I did not want to do a corporate job because it was about sitting in an office and trying to uh, sell an itinerary or a trip uh, to yeah. someone regarding Greece or a Bangkok or a Japan, which probably that person... Uh, trying to do that trip for someone has himself or herself not been there. So that's exactly the reason why I spend more time in the places I want to sell to the guests. So basically when I'm sending an itinerary to you, it means I have first extensively recceed that region or that place myself. I've probably spent a week, two weeks, or maybe even three weeks uh, wrecking that area, getting those photographs and videos back and writing about the trip about what it can be like, and then putting it across to someone like you, a, a travel agent back in London who would want to work with me, or probably a direct traveler like you who would want to come on the trip. So yeah. first you know that what I've sent across to you, I have extensively, personally, myself recceed it. So you know that I have been there in person, firstly. Secondly, when you book the trip, you know that I receiving you at the airport or whichever point in India. And then I take you for that entire trip. I guide you. I host you. I spend that entire duration of two weeks or three weeks. And then again, see you off at the airport or respective place and say a bye. So which means, you know, like I'm designing your trip by extensively wrecking it firstly, putting it across to you. And then when you finalize, when you think I love this trip and you want to book it, you know that at the end of the day, I am leading that trip for you as well. So mm-hmm. it's a very personalized experience. It's not about me not having been there firstly, selling it off to you. And then when you book the trip, selling it, you know, sending you off to a third or fourth person uh, who's guiding you. So it's not that. It's So it's a very personal experience, you know. So it's, it's me. Yeah, exactly. And, so and, it's, and it's, that it's is very personal. really important for someone who is visiting a place which is, you know, maybe you may not have read about these places online that much because they are uh, yet unexplored. Uh, there is not a lot of popular knowledge about these places. So, so they want absolutely they want someone who has been there, done that, to help them out and show them what they should actually be seeing. So, exactly. Uh, staying on that note, uh, uh, what I have understood from. Uh, from from our conversations in the past is that uh, your your style of work your style of uh, traveling is also benefiting the local economy at such places right so uh, could you please uh, go ahead and describe that to us yes mayuk so my thing is basically uh, i wouldn't really differ in you know like a, a large hotel or a homestay. If a homestay can give me a great experience for me and my guests, and I can brief the guests that, listen, this is not a five-star hotel. This is a 
simply done up homestay by the host themselves or by the tribe or the by the community themselves and it's a more personalized experience if i can brief the guests there they would come with me on the trip so i wouldn't really you know i'm not a big uh, i'm i'm not some someone who love to push for luxury properties or luxury boutique hotels or yeah, yeah. five star hotels i mean of course you know it's a no brainer if someone has to uh, do rajasthan then sending them off to the palaces in you know the havelis in rajasthan some boutique hotel it, it doesn't require me yeah, so yeah. Uh, you know I, and but how i try and do it is my my ones are my trips are more uh, on the ground experience and on the ground experience is not just about the place the destination and the nature and forest and activities but also being with the locals as much as you can so so as i said like i wouldn't i would promote really nice homestays rather than a five star hotel in that same place so that's firstly uh sending something back to the economy yeah. firstly yeah. and secondly whenever i'm going to these places i'm looking for these young guys who are say uh, forest rangers or guides or drivers and i want to work with them because probably there's hardly any tourism there so these guys are really hungry for business and they're very friendly people for most parts i've had really good experience with these guys and these are my yeah. good guys and then, and then it's it's uh, i mean in the end it's also not only about putting back money in the local economy but the local people are the ones that perhaps know the place better than anyone else right so it's also exactly. an, it's also an opportunity for you to learn about uh that place again so that you can come back better next time exactly i mean uh that's the idea i mean what a homestay can give you the experience a homestay can give you a five star hotel cannot give you and now and, and just like that what the locals if i get the locals in confidence and they are supporting me and i'm supporting them the experience they can give to me and to my guests and then of course the knowledge they can give to me i cannot get from any outsider you know so it's 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 i'm always looking to try and work with communities and locals where you know so the the traveler knows that large part of the money is going to them directly not even indirectly because if they're staying in the homestay you know i am having to book that homestay so the money is going there if they are going out with me with a driver and a guide from the village they are being paid every time we go on a walk or a drive they are being paid by me directly plus getting tipped by my travelers uh, uh, my by my travelers or photographers whoever whoever they are we spoke at length about uh, helping the local economy and um educating the tourists from 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 the words of uh, the local people over there um another thing that comes to mind is um from a very early age you were also interested in uh, uh nature conservation and essentially the biodiversity of a place and it is especially important when you're thinking about um not just northeast but also the tiger reserves that you have in the country so mm-hmm. uh, could you please describe to us um uh what have you learned from these efforts and what what exactly uh uh a tourist or a traveler can learn about biodiversity and conservation from traveling with you okay uh nice question mayuk the thing is uh so as a as a naturalist and as a layman whatever i've understood so there's there's a lot of conservationists who are working at the upper level and they're doing 
some really good job uh, for our country since the last 20, 30 years or maybe more. But as, as a nationalist and as a layman who's been working in this industry for the last nine years, this what I can say, this is what I have learned is, firstly, you know, this is at this moment in time across the world and especially also across India, we are going through a really tough time because we've, we've I think we are uh, going through a dry, an overdrive uh, of, uh, let's say, growth of economy, which means, you know, everywhere there's uh, industries coming up, roadways, railways, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that's happening, which 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 is directly taking a toll on our forests because you know you are having uh, railway lines cut across through elephant corridors. You're you're getting highways being built or broadening highways through tiger reserves through yeah. the heart of tiger reserves. Mm-hmm. So this is a very very critical time in India and across the world. Yes. But I can right now speak about India uh, in particular. So uh, what I have learned, uh, coming back to your question, is that these tiger reserves, which earlier when the British came to India, we were four-fifths of India was covered by forests. Today, we have almost 10% or less than 10% of forest cover in India uh, and and even fewer tiger reserves. These tiger reserves earlier... uh, uh, were uh, you know connected to each other uh, b- because they were just large pa- patches of forest all connected with each other through uh, corridors now what's happened is they've become patches of tiger reserves and then surrounding them are villages and highways and railways and maybe even industries or cities uh, and uh, so what we need right now is we need to develop or redevelop these corridors between tiger reserves so that the animals can move back and forth between these reserves. What's yeah. happening right now, mm-hmm. I'll just give you a small example, yeah, yeah. is if you have a kana and a pench in, in central India, in Madhya Pradesh, and uh, they, they, earlier they were probably the same patch of forest, or more or less, but right now what's happened is that outside kana you have villages, you have roads, you have small towns, people's you know, human population has grown and so has it in other tiger reserves. So now if, you know, particularly speaking about tigers, these are territorial animals. So one dominant tiger will push the other one out. Yes, if the other yes. one has space, it will stay in the tiger reserve. It, if it does not have space, it moves out. When it moves out, it's encountering villages and township and farmland. So it, it is displaced. Now this, its instinct is to find another homeland. Yeah, tiger reserves need to have re-established corridors so that animals can move back and forth. And not just for tigers, but, you know, even otherwise, jungles need to develop. We need to de- we need to uh, allow corridors being developed between different jungles. Mm-hmm. As I said, not just for tigers, but animals in general, especially for elephants. Elephants, a lot of elephant corridors have been wiped off. And, uh, you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, in general, we need to uh, to start with have more uh, corridors between jungles and different forests and uh, do you do you uh, do you see that uh, the, the fellow travelers you find do they really uh, empathize with this situation uh, i mean is there anything in the mindset of the travelers that uh, makes you think that yes we are we can eventually move in a positive direction well uh, you know positive 
there are a lot of positive things happening around the world, but then it's uh, more needs to be done, you know, because as I said, most economies around the world, India or any other country, I think we are in, uh, we are in, in a process of overdrive of development. Like yeah. everyone, every country wants to grow and develop the economy, which means the forest is taking a toll, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of good things being done but more needs to be done. So the most travelers I have are well aware of the problems and the situation on ground across the world because they're very well traveled. But then there's also travelers who just love nature. And when you tell them these issues and problems that they are kind of alarmed and shocked and they want to do something, but they don't know how they want to do something. But yeah. I think as long as more and more of us are getting aware I think that's that, that's really good. As long as more people are getting aware, then we can do, we can try and, you know, you can, we can try and do more. A lot is being done, but still a lot, a lot needs to be done. So, um, like, is there is there any um, good example from anywhere in the world that we can take some hope from? For Yeah, we can. Yeah. We can. Yes, as I was saying, a lot of positive, a lot of good work is being done. Just the... The first hope I can take, uh, I can speak about a conservation success story here in India itself. Mm -hmm. And and the story comes from the Northeast, like Kaziranga National Park. Like, you know, if if we take Kaziranga, which is known for the famous one-horned rhino, you know, uh, is back in the mid-90s, the one-horned rhino in Kaziranga was around 200 or less. Today... During 2020, 25 or years down the line, we are back to more than 2,000 rhinos in Kaziranga. And, uh, and, and every time I've taken guests out there to Kaziranga, most of my guests uh, have said, this is what Africa has been missing because Africa's rhinos are dying out almost every day. They're going in closer and closer into extinction. Not to say that there's no poaching happening in Kaziranga or in India. Mm-hmm. It is because it is so well protected that the numbers have come up like to over 2000, which is a really proud thing for us, I think. And we should take hope from this fact that this single national park has done so well with the efforts of the forest department and support of many locals uh, from, from 200 or less to more than 2000, nearing 2200 or more. This is a big inspirational story. And, you know, I have, whenever I've taken guests out, in a space of four or five days, I have myself seen more than 200 rhinos. You know, we have in a landscape, in a grassland landscape, we have seen in a single view, 16 or 17 rhinos, mother and multiple mother and calves, single males, male and female mating, different kinds within a single frame. And a lot of my guests who travel across the world have said, this is what Africa has been missing. So, of course, Africa has been doing certain right things. India has been doing certain right things. But mm-hmm. um, but taking an inspirational story is right here in India in the form of Kaziranga. That's, that's amazing to know because we have so many more national parks. We have so many more reserves that, you know, it can take example from Kaziranga and uh, do something about it. Uh, we definitely need more space for... Uh, you know, as, I mean, the first the first animal that comes to my mind is uh, uh, tigers and elephants. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I hope we take that as a good example and go ahead. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, the the in I think uh, the Indian biodiversity has not been represented uh, to its fullest, to its largest 
yet. I think, I mean, we have, we do have a few documentaries that have come up, which has kind of raised more awareness. But I think still, even Indians and, of course, travelers around the world uh, kind of yet, are yet to realize or understand the biodiversity. We have, we have snow leopards, we have Asiatic lions, we, of course, have the tigers and elephants, and we have leopards, we have clouded leopards, we've got, we've got like six species of smaller cats, like marble cat or uh, fishing cats, or we've got wild dogs, we've got desert foxes. Um, we have, as far as biodiversity goes, we have so much in India, and there is so much more to do from our end, right? So, on that note, um, I would ask you, uh, what is your next step like? Because your journey so far has been absolutely incredible to me, right? From traveling on your own, videographing, photographing, learning on your own about flora, fauna, and uh, the, the inhabitants of that region. Uh, now you are taking guests from all over the world and India to these places. Uh, what are your next steps like? I mean, what uh, what do you foresee yourself doing in the future? Well, like I can say about the near future, and okay. uh, I hope, yeah. Like, so the, I think the next immediate plans are to go, get even deeper into the India's Northeast, you know, like okay. you know, push push further in, go into even more remote places in places like Tripura and Mizoram and Sikkim to start with, okay. get even deep deeper into these jungles and try and look for more local inhabitant tribes there and the different indigenous and endemic flora and fauna. Okay. Uh, and and uh, so that's the next immediate step uh, that I want to take over the next, you can say, one or two years. Uh, and and then eventually uh, graph out into you know move out into into places which I've always dreamt of exploring and then try maybe take travelers there to places like the Gobi Desert in Mongolia or the rainforests in Papua New Guinea or stuff like that eventually. But right now for the next two years I'm looking at going deeper into the northeast of India. I see. That's 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 really amazing. So. Uh, yes, Abhijit, um, I learned a lot from you and uh, I am especially inspired by your stories of Northeast. And uh, I mean, next time I am back home, I'll try my best to visit these places that you mentioned. Sure. Uh, because sure, yeah. it's just not me, but, you know, many people from our generation has been missing out. I mean, we usually end up going to, let's say, the palaces in Rajasthan or the beaches in Goa which are popular yeah. places, but then there is so much more to see and uh, this conversation was you know like a, a eye opener for me and thank you so much for that oh no it's it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to have spoken to you and thank you for allowing me that time to be you it's know not, to say all this no it's it's our it's our pleasure abhijit and uh uh, thank you so much. Uh, we are going to get back to you again and hope to have you on our show once again to learn more about your stories. Thank you. Sure, Mayuk. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me the platform to share all this. You, you are welcome. It was our pleasure. Abhijit.